0: Hey there! Welcome to We've Been Had, uh, the show where we talk about albums, and you listen to us stunned and maybe frightened. I am Keith Pilly. And I'm Chad Cook. And uh, the deal, as always, is that we take turns picking an album, then we both go and dig into it. This time around, it was your pick, and...
1: And I picked something originally that just didn't work out. Uh, My original plan was uh, Super Ape by Lee Scratch Perry, but... I felt like our discussion would have been very similar to uh, the Bob Marley album. So, since it's I think the thirtieth, close to the thirtieth anniversary of Doolittle, uh, we are going to be talking about the Pixies album Doolittle.
0: Yeah, which uh, you know this will be this will be another like excavation of the past. I think uh, like the significant past. Uh, tombstone info for Doolittle. Released in April of 1989 on 4AD, which, I don't know, like back back in the day, I was like, ooh, that's an important label. It's exotic and important.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like IRS.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: Or Um, amphetamine reptile, my personal (laughs) favorite.
0: (laughs) I mean, tough to beat. Uh let's see. Recorded mostly in November of 88 at a place called Downtown Recorders in Boston. That is the lamest studio <laughs> name. And uh, produced by Gil Norton. Would you, how would you describe this one?
1: So it's, it's an interesting, I mean, it kind of, I, I think I read a quote that I have here. Uh, and it was an interview in in an online publication called Louder, uh, by a guy named Rob Hughes, and he's interviewing uh, Joey Santiago, and he said, "This," he said throughout Doolittle I'd catch a word here and there, but it was almost like I was intruding on Frank's privacy. If I'd asked him what it was all about, he'd probably tell me to shut up and play something. I have no idea what we're sing- what he's singing about.
0: <laughs> I find that very relatable. As yep. A- as a long-time listener of the, the record. It's, a, uh, you know, like, so to me, I feel like this entire thing, like understanding the record, I, I know understanding, I know my relationship with it, I assume your relationship with it, like so much of it is the context of the late 80s and how, like, right now, you know, we're downstream of this, so everything sounds like this now, but back then, nothing sounded like this.
1: And I think and, also just... You know, kind of, it's like a glimpse into the mind of Frank Black.
0: Of a, a Very odd man. a Very strange man. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Uh, you know, people, you know, back then, like, this was just the outer limits of, like, this is weird music. Um, it's funny to me that people, like, they get this credit for pioneering the sound that Nirvana took. And I think that's really over. Blown,
1: but. So I'm not sure that I agree with that because I think one of the things that that I never fully realized is how much of the Pixies is is really all of them together, but Frank Black's lyrics and then Kim Deal's kind of supporting vocals.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: Uh, You know, like her sort of playing off his lyrics.
0: Yeah, yeah, that interplay is the band.
1: And so I think that. I mean that's why i have a hard time with it plus i mean i don't think of nirvana like a lot of pixie songs are kind of pop songs with uh you know like really clever hooks and yeah and then just like distorted guitar yeah and nirvana is more i think just the discord just the distorted guitar and I, i i mean i'm not minimizing nirvana's impact
0: yeah Well, The the thing that I specifically always see cited is that well, the Pixies did quiet, loud, quiet, and Nirvana did quiet, loud, quiet, but like we'll talk about this. I think it's kind of oversold how much the Pixies did that. I think it's kind of oversold how much Nirvana did that and the fucking idea of dynamics have existed in music for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean there are plenty of classical songs that That are quiet, loud, quiet.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's it's not hard to come up with 80s indie rock that was quiet, loud, quiet.
1: I mean, I think the thing the thing that was at least two things. It it was different than everything else. And it was sort of one of those albums that people had who were fancied themselves like into music.
0: Yeah, it was definitely like a tastemaker. I don't know, like a badge, like yeah, I'm, I'm in the club.
1: It's like if you uh, you saw, well, this is a, not a particularly good album, but if you saw somebody with the John Spencer Blues Explosion album, they clearly thought they were onto something.
0: Yeah, no one was just casually picking that thing, right? Uh, I, you know, for me, so like, well, talking about the the '80s indie rock thing, uh, we both recently read slash listen to Bob Mold's memoir. And I thought it was interesting that he talks in there about how, like, he feels like the Pixies were, like, musical offspring of Husker du. Um You know, and I think that, that... I mean, that there's, like... That's backed up by the historical record. Like, the, the ad that Kim Deal responded to cited Husker du. I think
1: that's closer. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I just... I don't know. It's
0: uh there's a dog interfering with us here as always.
1: It's uh it's hard when you, it's hard to like, you know, something that's so formative when you go yeah. back and listen to it. Um, it's hard to put yourself sometimes back into that headspace. Of, yeah. You know, like why it was so, why it was so important to you. But, yeah. But I mean, I do think it's, I think it's a really good album. It's one of the few albums that I've actually been to the like, uh, show where they play the whole thing straight through. Yeah. Uh, at Roy Wilkins, they did a the Pixies did a straight through version of Doolittle.
0: That was recent-ish, right? Like past ten years.
1: Probably ten years ago, or so. Yeah. But they did a. Uh, it was kind of cool. They did Doolittle, and then they did a like kind of Pixies medley or Pixies sort of encore right. of their yeah. hits. Uh, I know that's a. Th- thing that bands are doing.
0: Yeah, and I don't really have a problem with that. Like if the people in the band are down with it, like, I don't know. Like there's this weird thing. There's this weird thing in indie rock where like people care about it because they love music and they get attached to music. And then like we put this weird stigma on people hearing the music that they love and are attached to. And like I don't know where that comes from, you know, and I, I, I've had that mindset too, but I don't, like, if you step back, it's it's bizarre. Like, what's, you know, people love, the hits are the hits because people love them, and, like, why is there a stigma attached to that?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think some of it is people want to feel like, you know, their connection with something is special. Yeah. And then yeah. other people are getting a lesser experience yeah, than they are. They are.
0: I mean, if you Yeah you're in an arena with 5,000 other people who are all losing their shit over the same song, yeah, you don't feel special.
1: I can tell you if you see Lionel Richie at the Minnesota State Fair, he's not playing the deep tracks. <laughs> yeah. It's all hits.
0: And is an entertainer, It's he's, he's there to it, entertain.
1: It's a compact show of everything you want to hear, and that's it.
0: I You know, I think there... I wouldn't want every show to be like that, but I think there is room for that. Um, so... Back in the day, like, what was what was your relationship with this record in 89, 90, or whenever?
1: So I don't think I picked up on it until probably 91 or 92. Sure, but uh, back in its era. Yeah, in its era, but not at release. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things where one of my friends stumbled across it at a record store and was like, you know, you got to check this out and the it was, you know, it's, it's hard to, and I feel like I probably talk about this every time, but in the early 90s in Minneapolis, you know, it was KQ and then another radio station that was Classic Hits 93.7 or something. Yeah. And so it was, like, all classic rock or top 40. Yeah. There was no, there was nothing in the middle. Yeah. So, like, you're your avenues for finding new music were friends or friends who had older brothers or, you know, that was it. 120 minutes on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think, I don't even think alternative nation was out yet.
0: I I don't think so. Dog scratching. Yeah. So like finding anything was miraculous and like, like,
1: yeah, I mean, and, what was yours? Because I mean, you grew up in a, a much more rural setting. Than yeah, I, mean. I
0: was. I, it's it. I, it feels like a true miracle that I ever heard of the Pixies. I, I, a friend. Well, our friend Joel. Um, which is weird because he is usually not the alt rock guy, but he got Bossa Nova when it came out, and he was not into it. But I heard it, and I'm like, oh fuck yes! This is this is what I want music to be. Doesn't
1: Bossa Nova have Dig for Fire on it?
0: Yeah, it's got it, 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 it's got a bunch of jams. Yeah. I, I think it's so, It's weird. I, I hear it shit on a lot, like in Pixie's fan circles, but I, I've always liked it. I mean, I, it was my way in. So
1: If you're looking for uh, something in that universe to shit on, the Frank Black album Dog in the Sand <laughs> would be my personal choice. Yeah. That's not good.
0: Nobody bats a thousand. That's true. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I was like a big boss and overhead, and then you know, I just did the thing where you work through the catalog, mm-hmm. and I, you know, like Doolittle was part of that. I always it's uh, to spoil like where I'll land at the end of this. Like I know Doolittle is kind of the consensus Pixies pick, but for me, it was always like middle tier for them. Like I yeah. still still loved it, and you know, they were one of my favorite bands for a long time. But I always like Surfer Rosa and Trompe yeah. better. better. I,
1: I can see you on the Surfer... Uh, I hear you on the Surfer Rosa. Because I think that one definitely is, definitely is better. Trompe yeah. good, too. Yeah? I, um, you know, I mean, I actually like... I think Come On Pilgrim is pretty good. I
0: think their best song is on it. Levitate Me? Yeah,
1: it's... Uh, oh, another...
0: Another disruption here is... Okay, hang on. All right, we're back. I had to fish a shoe out of a dog. Yeah. <laughs> there. Um Yeah, I don't know the pixies. They were they were important. I think
1: I, I think it would have been one of those things where it would have been really cool to see them perform in the. I mean, I don't even think, I never saw them perform as the, before they reformed, after they broke up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that would have been cool to see.
0: That, That would have. I was, I remember they opened for U2, and it was, I think one of those shows was at the Metrodome, but I lived in Nebraska then, so I didn't, didn't get to go to that.
1: Damn. That would have been cool.
0: Would have been pretty cool. I I got to see, I did get to see them, like, their very first show when they first reunited in 2004. I mean, oh, nice. That was With, in the
1: documentary, right?
0: Yeah, and that was at the Fine Line. Oh, cool. And my friend Grant got tickets to it somehow.
1: And That's, uh, I actually, it's, I I actually kind of like that venue because it's a smaller, of the smaller Minneapolis venues. Yeah. still It still feels like a. It feels like a room and not a theater.
0: Yeah, totally. It's, you know, you feel like you're just at a rock show. And, you know, by then, Derailer had played there, so I got to be like, yeah, I was on that stage first. Share the stage. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it would have been much cooler to see them, like, you know, in the original run, like, when it wasn't a reunion. I don't know. Um, Should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. So, what do you think of Debaser?
1: Well, I guess what, what, the question I have is, have you ever seen the movie that inspired the song?
0: I've seen clips, but never the whole thing.
1: Do you feel like it's like a, a Alejandro Jodorowsky, like like impossible to watch type? That's, of, yeah. that's
0: my, yeah, I think exactly. I think that's it's
1: like, it's like Holy Mountain, but shorter.
0: Yeah, but grosser, more violent. I, you know, but so one of the things that I love about this, I guess, is that, you know, like you said, like I was in rural Nebraska when I heard this and like, you know, like it was just very random what from the outside world made it in there. And like you get this record where it's just distorted guitars and this fucking lunatic man like yelling about you know, experimental cinema and like, it's just, it's great. It's like, you're getting exposed to all this shit that would not have been on your mind. You know, you would have had no idea. And like, I, I think, you know, I think black Francis created an entire generation of just like a very particular type of kind of fey intellectual <laughs> weirdo
1: in the best possible sense. Yeah. 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 I mean I think I think one of the things that I, I love and I love this song. I mean I think it's a great yeah. song. Is is kind of uh, Kim Deal has this way of of just like calmly saying debaser I fucking
0: love that. He's like, like, yeah, like screaming yeah, and he's like debaser. De
1: it's like it's like weirdly paced, so it's like you know, he's yeah. like debaser
0: She's like Debaser. <laughs> it's fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's like a subway or something where they're telling you what stop you're at.
0: Yeah. I yeah you know like they have both done work outside of the Pixies that I really 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 like but and you know I think I've even yapped off on the internet say, saying yeah, a couple of times I'll, I've gotten fired up about either you know the breeders in general or um, Frank Black's solo album Teenager of the Year and claimed like you know either one of those are better than the Pixies but really I think that like. It, within the Pixies, when the two of them were, like, actually meshing, like, I don't... I think that does wind up being better than anything they did separately.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some... Like, Pistolero is a pretty good... That's a pretty good record. Pretty good record. Yeah. Teenager of the Year is probably the best.
0: I, I think that's quietly one of the best records of the 90s. Um, but, like, this... I love... I just, I love the way, so to me this song starts out, like, with, like, just a lot of the things that are perfect about the Pixies, you know, like, uh, Deal is just, like, playing quarter notes, like, you know, she's kind of, she fucking plays bass like Michael Anthony, but it's perfect for what the music needs.
1: And there's no, there's no Jack Daniels bass, as far (laughs) as I know, the Pixies.
0: (laughs) There should be, though. Um... But you know, just like her style is is perfect, and like that very distinct, like ding 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 ding, like it underlies like half their songs. Um, you know, I just I love like it everything everything that's great about them comes in right at the start, like Joey Santiago playing like weird slinky guitar, lovering just being kind of fancy, and then Francis shouts weird shit.
1: It's just sort of an interesting construct too, because they're they're talking about this this controversial like avant-garde film and then they're you know they're talking about being a debaser so it's like it's just kind of this interesting you know like i have this weird interest and everyone is telling me how stupid that weird interest is which is like if you were looking for a summary of the pixies like that is it
0: that's a good point that uh him him screaming in here makes me think that like i know that bowie was a big a huge Pixies fan. Um, and like had this great description of Black Francis as a shouting mass of sweaty flesh. And like, you get that here, like in spades.
1: And if you've ever seen him, that, that is an apt description.
0: Yes. I, you know, I, I aspire to be a shouting mass of sweaty flesh. Uh, I don't know. Just yeah, I mean this song's really good.
1: Yeah, I, it's great. It rules. It's it's in the rock rock rule. <laughs> it rules.
0: I had this weird discussion. So there was a guy I went to high school with who called himself Rimsel Moon. Um, had a weird discussion with Rimsel Moon about this song, where he's like, Keith, do you know what it means to be a debaser? And I'm just like, yeah, someone who debases think about that okay yeah I to this day I don't know what he was trying to what truth he was trying to lead me to
1: it's uh, I had a sim well not it, it maybe a similar experience with uh, with a, a CFO who told <laughs> me he's like you know you can you can fit everything into a two by two matrix if you can't if you can't you're not you're not thinking about it right I'm like,
0: <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about, like, can I go back to my cubicle now? sir?
0: <laughs> That's just such a bizarre, like, what about things that depend on three variables? I,
1: I, yeah. I don't know if he's trying to be mystical or, or <laughs> but I keep thinking about that. Like, that, like, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs>
0: You were given a Coen.
1: yeah, I'm still talking about it. So.
0: <laughs> I love that it was a CFO too.
1: Yeah, he's, that dude is a trip.
0: <laughs> oh, anything else on debaser?
1: No, it's uh, it's time to it's time to talk tame. All right.
0: So I don't know about you. This is one. This is gonna you know, this you know a trend on this record and with this band, I think. Like the totality of the lyrics here This is like it's like Neil Young when he says numbers add up to nothing. Like I cannot I don't know what the fuck's going on. There are like individual lines that I love, like when he's like, here's lack like Cinderella. And that fall on you, facing those bad shoes. Like I love that delivery, but I, I can extract no meaning from this.
1: Yeah, it's like Gravity's Rainbow. I think it's built around the fact that they were just wanted to yell "tame." Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me a little bit of that song that's on Surfer Rosa called uh, "Something Against You," mm-hmm. where <laughs> where it just just yell on them. It just descends, and then they just yell, "I've got something against you."
0: Yeah. It's just fun to yell, I guess. Uh, yeah, I love that yeah, the chorus is just him yelling <laughs> like that's just <laughs> that's I mean, that's kind of brilliant.
1: I, I'm convinced that he he just really they really enjoyed yelling that so
0: it was I like, think so. this is another one where then like Kim comes in and you know when they're in the bridge section and he's like freaking out and you're like, <laughs> and then she comes in and like calmly says, yeah <laughs> no it's
1: it's such a good like. That like call and response really makes the makes the band.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, you know, I was saying that the quiet loud quiet thing gets overhyped. It's here. Like they, yeah. they they do use that here. It's.
1: But I mean, I I don't know how else you would structure. Otherwise, it would just be him yelling t- the word "tame" over and over again. Yeah. I
0: hey, you gotta. You, uh, that's the yeah. thing, I guess. You need that. You need to use that tool to just make some of this stuff work, and you know maybe that's. I don't know. Maybe that's where the stereotype that that's their gimmick comes from. Just that they had to fall back on it from time to time. I
1: mean, you can kind of you can kind of yeah. hear that. Like if you listen to Celebrated Summer. Yeah. That. Yep. Right. That, like you would think, you'd be like, okay, I can see how that gets to this.
0: Yeah. But that is like. It, you know, when I was thinking, when I was saying earlier, like I can think of pre Pixie songs that go quiet, loud, quiet, like that's definitely an example. Um, I don't know. It's a good tool. Yeah, it's
1: uh, yeah. I think, I think that's kind of like uh, you know, after Hemingway, like short sentences were in vogue.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like I think you know. Consciously or unconsciously, people sort of mirror what they like. Totally, yes.
0: Uh, all that said, with tame, like it's it's kind of fun, but this has always felt to me just kind of like a transition glue song, you know, that's really just there to separate debaser and wave of mutilation.
1: I think that's probably true. I mean, it's not like you're, it's not like you're anyone's ever been like, you know, what song I really want to hear is tame.
0: One yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. But should we move to a wave of mutilation? Let's let's ride the wave. Um I just wanna you know, I, I just wanna give him credit for rhyming crustacean and mutilation. Oh fuck that. Which is
0: <laughs> You know, again like if I'm if I'm talking about lions that I love, that, that whole the whole suite there of I I've kissed mermaids, rode the El Nino walk the sand with the crustaceans like that is uh, that is just evocative use of words that's that's fucking awesome yeah
1: it's great it's uh it's also weird that it's a a, like a relatively sweet song about a fictional thing that would be horrific (laughs)
0: yeah so it's funny i so you're talking about like the literal concept of a wave of correct yeah uh, yeah I, it's weird to me. Have you heard the the wave of mutilation UK surf version? I've not. Oh, it's um, it was a B side for one of their singles, and like, I just like through weird happenstance, I heard it first. Um, because Grant had that single. Um, it's really slow and mournful, and like, if you hear it that way, the song really, really sounds like it's about like just walking into the sea and dying. You know, it, it sounds like it's like a suicide song. Um, and so it's, it's weird, since I heard that one first and like, I, it was one of the first songs I learned, that version was one of the first songs I learned to play on bass. That's in my head is the correct version of this. And so this one has always sounded, like I love it, it rules, but it always sounds wrong to me because it's so happy and upbeat and fast.
1: It would be like remaking Big Star's Holocaust into like a, you know, like a like, peppy... Uh, Blink-182 strike. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes are almost dead. <laughs> that.
0: Next time I'm farting around on the guitar, I'm going to try that. I'm going to see if I can make that
1: perfect. Let me know how that works out. <laughs> that
0: will be fascinating. Um, you know, I mean, like, this song fucking rules, though. It's just... it. it Really, it, like, this version is so, just such a fucking jam. It's such a great example of, one of the things about the Pixies, like, under the hood that I think makes them really cool is they go to, like, these weird chord intervals that most people don't use, and so, like, like this one, I don't even know, like, it's, Kind of in the key of F, but it sticks a lot of chords in the middle that shouldn't be an F, but but it works um, Yeah, I mean, I think one of
1: the things that makes some Kind of creates that At the time was a very distinctive sound Was just the the sort of makeup of the band where you have yeah. like you just you're you're Frankensteining together really weird elements of you know, like I guess this is the dream, right? Is that it becomes more than the sum of its parts? Yeah,
0: totally. Um, you know, Black just like writes songs in weird chord, chord intervals, and then Santiago plays lead over those with, in in weird harmonic ranges, and like it just like piles on itself to get really strange. Yeah, and like that's that's, that's awesome. Maybe that's why the maybe that's why it works so well that Deal's bass parts are always pretty basic just because like there's so much other weird shit going on that like you need you know just like it's kind of calming to just have this bass chugging out quarter notes
1: yeah like, just sort of melodic so this is kind of embarrassing but I feel like when I was gr- well up until probably I don't know I was 25 I thought that a good bass player was one you could hear nah. you know like not really understanding the benefit of like a true rhythm section where it's like, you just, you just feel it. More yeah. Than you hear it. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, I would have told you that, you know, Kim deal was, uh, was a, a world-class bass player because you could, hear, you can hear her playing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I do think she is playing like perfectly what the song needs. Like that's,
1: yeah, it just is like, you know, like, I probably would have also said that, like, Les Claypool was a... Because you can hear you can hear him playing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. But I think that's, that's an evolution for me, is to sort of, like, understand the, you know, like, a really tight rhythm section just sort of pushes everything along. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and, like, ideally, then, you know, the dream is for the rest of the band to be able to just, like, fall back and lean on that and and you know maybe that's happening here i don't know but it's not yeah it's it's a totally different way to evaluate things yeah
1: yeah i just that was you know like i i don't know it's kind of embarrassing but yeah you live and you learn
0: you, yeah you know we all got to grow um was looking through my notes here there's another thing that i love there's a Sometimes Joey Santiago has a really surf guitar sound um, and like appropriately he busted out here and so he's like hitting chords and then like hitting his whammy bar to like shift the pitch and that's you know super surfy and I love doing that so I love hearing other people do that.
1: Yeah I mean I, so I always think about like I feel like the movie Pulp Fiction exposed a lot of people to Dick Dale
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um But you think about how... I mean, this was 12 years before that? Something... I mean... 10 years? Substantially before. So, I mean, you could have... You probably could have saw Dick Dale in a coffee shop somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I... It's funny to think about that. Like, it would not even have occurred to me to pay attention. You know, back then... It wouldn't have paid it. It wouldn't have occurred to me to pay attention to like is Dick Dale, you know, playing Omaha. Like wouldn't have known to. He probably. I'm sure he did.
1: Probably, yeah. Know. Maybe he's sort of just a. It's one of those weird guys who just got not not even like super famous. He got like like sort of one off famous yeah. when he was older in life. Yeah. that's just. I saw him play it. The student union in College. Was
0: he cool? It
1: was cool. I mean, I was not ready for it.
0: Yeah, not, not at the age to appreciate. Not at all. That's the thing. Like, I think if he, you know, if he came back to life now, I think I would appreciate the shit out of it. But like, when I was younger, it wouldn't have, you know.
1: Yeah, it just wasn't. I don't know. You know, like, you're just not
0: Jimi Hendrix had said in so many words that surf music was important, but I wasn't ready to listen. And yeah, I don't know what. To.
1: Oh, uh, the wave! The wave of mutilation.
0: Uh, so, so I, I guess circling all the way back, what what meaning do you get meaning out of this song? Or,
1: I mean, I guess. I mean, I just. I think. I think it's a lot like, you know, it's like it's a lot like debaser it's I think it's supposed to be a juxtaposition
0: yeah.
1: of you know like a wave of mutilation isn't really real but yeah. it would be pretty awful yeah <laughs> yes and so I think you know I think he's trying to just I don't know I think he's trying to like challenge you with an idea
0: yeah that sounds right I don't know
1: what do you think it's about
0: I well I guess I project death onto it but that's mostly from hearing the slow version first Um, and I also, I know that I kind of, that's kind of a standing, (laughs) that's a standing assumption for a lot of songs. Oh, hold on. We're having weird computer problems here. It just started playing. I don't know why iTunes just popped open and started playing Cherry Pie. Oh, a warrant Cherry
1: okay. Pie? Yes. I'm nice. not sure
0: if that's going to bleed through in the audio or
1: not. I, I kind of hope so. I'm so, impressed you have that on your iTunes.
0: I think that was from some, like, you know, mixed CD exchange mm. back in the day. Got it locked down. When I go back and listen to the audio, Cherry Pie might be there. And might I don't want
1: to get sued by the members of Warrant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we can take
1: them. Um, it's interesting that you get that because I kind of got, like, a – this is skipping ahead, but to the song, uh, the second to last song on the album, I kind of got like a, like a great destroyer era low okay. vibe from it. And I wonder if I heard the slower version of wave of mutilation, if it would sound like a, like a low song.
0: Uh, it's not, not dissimilar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that's interesting. That's I would be curious. I've never heard Alan Sparhawk talk about being a Pixies fan, but it is it's just knowing what I know of him, it's hard to imagine that he's not.
1: Like Yeah, I mean nothing would surprise me with him.
0: Yeah. I yeah. Finding out that he was like Kraftwerk's biggest fan. Like, oh, <laughs> sure, of course.
1: Um I bleed. Yeah, I bleed's not one of my favorite uh, no. songs on the album. It, it's it, it's kind of like though it's sort of it's a little bit ahead of its time because it's like kind of a noise rock sort of song.
0: Yeah,
1: um, that you know, kind of that. I don't know. I, I was never really into that, but it's uh,
0: I, I I I I've been into that in the sense that I've had like. Eras of being really into Sonic Youth, I guess, yeah. if that counts. But yeah. then, you know that waxes and wanes. Right, this one, yeah, I, I agree. This isn't this is not one of my favorites. There's there's bits that I like. I think it's interesting. This one starts with a more more complicated than usual Kim part and uh, Santiago just kind of sliding around. And like this is where I really started. Paying attention to just what an unusual guitarist he is, I think he's pretty self-taught, and I think like I, I think you, I think the best guitarists end up being self-taught, you know, because like you just get a more distinct style that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you it. I mean, I think if it's done right, it teaches you to kind of break out of the mold a yeah. little bit. And you, that's why you sound like. I don't think you'd sound like Jimi Hendrix if you were if you were playing. You know, or J Massis or some of the guitar players that I really like.
0: Yeah, like, you know, I mean, it's a balance because, like, lessons help. But, like, if you're entirely, you know, I don't know. I think people a lot of times come out of, like, very coached guitar situations just kind of sounding dry and dead and boring. And, like, the self-taught people... You know, a lot of times they don't have a ton of range, but, like, they can fucking rule within that range. And You know, I guess the counterexample would be Annie Clark, um, you know, like, came out of Berklee School of Music and has a really distinct and cool sound, but, like...
1: It helps when your uncle is, like, a guitar virtuoso.
0: Yeah, that's true. Like, she probably went into the academy with with a lot of unique style under her belt. Yeah. Uh, um, with this one, you know, just talking about their contemporaries. Um, in addition to that mold book, I also recently finished listening to uh, Trouble Boys, the book about their replacements. And so I still have uh, a big chunk of my brain is still just kind of like processing the phenomenon of Paul Westerberg <laughs> And uh, the bit here, the verse that opens with Black Francis saying, like, Privy, my dear. I heard that, you know, listening through, you know, doing my show work up. And I just, at that line, my immediate thought was, like, I bet back in the day, Paul Westerberg must have fucking hated these guys. You know, like, you don't. You don't open a verse saying "Prithee, my dear," and and not just evoke disgust from him. I think
1: Paul Westerberg's influences were more, you know, like Mission of Burma style,
0: uh, or just fucking faces.
1: Yeah, that too.
0: You know, um, it's just funny to me to, you know, like with with their peer bands of the day. Like it's easy to imagine. Like I don't know that the Pixies and REM, I mean they must have interacted but you know, I I don't know that they're friends but it's easy to imagine them like sharing a bill and inhabiting the same space and like, you know, I know, I've read that uh, that Bono took Black Francis aside and was like Charles, you're going to be a huge star let me tell you, and so you know, like clearly there was an attempt at some kinship there um, I just love this, this I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty comfortable speculating that like you know, for everyone who was like, yes, Pixies, we love you. I'm sure the replacements were like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, fancy boys.
1: You're a fat liter- literary <laughs> references.
0: <Yeah. laughs> I, just, I, I can't imagine it any other way. It's
1: sort of that uh, like the Eagle Steely Dan thing from that show Yacht Rock. <laughs> where the Eagles are portrayed as just these dumb frat boys.
0: <laughs> God. That's perfect. That was a very good show. Um. Yeah, you know the the one thing I like about the song, I like, I love the the line fragment where he just says, "My mind secedes," and like his delivery for that, like that's that's a good line.
1: It's uh, it's sort of reminiscent of uh, the most recent Arcade Fire has that, uh, like, I unsubscribe. Yeah. Which is like sort of an updated version of that.
0: Yeah that it, it's weird because like I've always loved that line and it sticks in my head. And I was actually kind of surprised to remember that this is the song it's from. Cause like, yeah, it's such a good line. It feels like it should be from a, in a better, better song. song. Yeah. But you know, whatever. Um, here comes your man.
1: So this was the point at the Roy Wilkins show where my wife turned to me and said, I like these types of pixies songs better. <laughs>
0: I think the American public is with her there.
1: Yeah. You know, well, the, this is it's the closest the, they had to a hit, I think. Well, it's... The, I mean, they do have some of these songs that have, like, really... Like I said earlier, I think hooky guitar parts. Yeah. Um, and this one is probably their most poppy song.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, like, I think entire career.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is... I, I don't know. I actually think it's a good song. I actually like it.
0: I think it's fine. I just... I don't... I don't like it. I don't love it the way a lot of people do. Um, I, when I was like a pretentious teen, you know, I was really down on it. Just like, oh, the pop sellouts. And like, I, I recognize it's like a very well-crafted pop song. And, it, you know, it's like it's it's not like it's
1: not a Pixies song. But Do you think it's more poppy than like some other other like gigantic um I'm trying to think of some yeah. of the more like some of the more poppy songs.
0: I, I feel like this this to me feels like a more conscious effort to like craft a hit than Gigantic does anyway. To me this feels like them doing the same thing REM did with Stand and just being like, what if we what if we wrote one that was radio friendly
1: Yeah and didn't Probably didn't quite work out as well as it did for R.E.M.
0: No, but I, you know, I, I do think this, I think this is the closest they had to a big hit. I, for me, it always kind of died on the guitar tone. That's like doing the like, there's like this weird chorusy thing on there that always really put me off.
1: It does sound like kind of like a different guitar player was playing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that, you know, it's it's so different than all the other songs on the album.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but I don't know. I still like it. I don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, like, like uh, there is this thing where, like, the Pixies song that you like the least is still a song that you like a lot. At least for me.
1: I yeah. Guess. Definitely.
0: That's kind of where it's at.
1: So I guess the question is, like, do you, like, I feel like the La La Love You song is pretty...
0: I like that one much better. That's pretty poppy too, though. Right? Yeah. we'll we'll get to it. Okay, uh, I'm gonna keep my powder dry. Yeah. all right? Um, do you have anything else I on here? No. you, you want to take a quick yeah, let's do to switch beers and such. Good. All right, we are back in deed. Now here's some weird fucking pixies.
1: Yeah, uh this was my first thought. Like I feel like it starts as a frank black slam poem set to the guitar and then sort of halfway through turns into like a ballad.
0: Yeah, it it's weird. It's pretty strange. It uh I have always felt and I continue to feel that this one is is where it is on the record, you know, after the pop song intentionally like 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 you know, it feels like some part of them was like, well, okay, we're sorry that we were, were sorry that we tried to appeal to the masses. Here's some weird shit for you.
1: It's sort of an equilibrium. Yeah. yeah. So it, it like offsets the song before it. Yeah,
0: reverts to the mean. Yeah. This is one I never had any idea what the fuck this song was. I, I couldn't even make out most of what he was saying. I heard Bathsheba in there. I read that um that essay that I sent to you by that writer Chris O'Leary, and he you know talks a bunch like uh, apparently this is all about King David and Bathsheba and Uriah, and like I got I picked up zero of that nope. like my entire life <laughs> <And> so I, <laughs> Uh, the line Uriah hit the crapper. I guess now that I know to hear it, or, now that I know to listen for it, I can I can hear it. But it I, I <laughs> we've had this runner on this show of me not paying attention to lyrics and yeah. not knowing what they are. And like every time we go back and listen to something that I was into when I was young, I I see why I'm like that because like you know listening to to this and to REM like you really I, I really was fucking trained to like not go for like the text of the lyrics because it's all like mumbled and weird and
1: yeah I mean I think I think sometimes that's better though because it's I I think it's it's sort of your choice how you want to experience it
0: yeah yeah like
1: I mean I don't know I you know like I I feel like Sigur Rose is... I don't even understand the language they're speaking in. And, yeah. I like, and I like that music.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, this song, like... I like this song, but I just like it sonically. And, like, knowing that it's about the Old Testament honestly adds nothing to that. <laughs> like, I just like the fucking weird guitar stabs that Joey Santiago does.
1: I think that's fair. Um, you know, I... I don't think I was ready for a, like a treatise on the Old Testament when I first started listening. Like that would just not be something. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, it's not something I'm interested in now. It really wouldn't be something I was interested in when I was in, you know, junior high.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of. I was talking earlier about how Black Francis is like was firing these like kind of weird fey intellectual nuggets out. And, like, I guess a bunch of weird Old Testament shit slides in perfectly with that. Like, that's kind of the classic thing to be weird about.
1: Well, I mean, he was like he's like an anthropology student, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I think, you know, if you're into... Anthropology and ancient civilizations, like, the new, T- the Old Testament's probably pretty interesting for you. Yeah. It's just not interesting for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not something I go back to Yeah, lot. I'm not like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reread the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm
0: down for some
1: smiting. That's right. There's punishment.
0: Oh, Speaking of the Old Testament.
1: And well, before we get to that, Keith, there yes. was a guy, an underwater guy. <laughs> Control the sea.
0: I fucking love that intro. That's so perfect. Got killed by 10 million pounds of slush from New York and New Jersey. (laughs) It's fucking fantastic.
1: So that that line colored my opinion of New York and New Jersey (laughs) for decades. I I think uh, hearing you say that, I realized, like, me too. (laughs) Yes. It was all, uh, like, you know, I I was a kid in Iowa. Like, what do I know about New York? (laughs) New yeah. Jersey. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's that's just what it's like. 10 million pounds <laughs> of sludge.
0: That's <laughs> a lot of sludge.
1: Killed an uh, underwater guy.
0: <laughs> I had this sense, I don't know where I got this, but like uh, in high school listening to this record, I just had it in my head like this was an important song, you know, capital I, capital S, important song. Yeah. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it was just like, oh, it's about the environment.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's just like, it, it's Again, it's just different, right? Yeah, like,
0: yeah. No one... Yeah. You could not hear shit like this anywhere else in the world back then.
1: And it's and, got that part where it's like, the devil is six.
0: Yeah, and so that part... Um, <laughs> but God are, is seven.
1: Right? One more.
0: So, yes, that, that whole thing. There was this time um, Grant and I, our friend Grant and I, uh, you know, the the baby versions of us were in Grant's basement listening to this song and Grant's mom came downstairs just as the if man is five then the devil is six and she made a stop and she's like are you guys listening to devil music? No, is this about worshipping the devil? God is seven. Yeah, right. And we're like no 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 it's, it's right next he says God is seven. And the, 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 like we had to like argue numerology to get to continue <laughs> listening to the pixies. And the thing is, like, I guess this is just, like, a function of the the time and place, but, like, there were actually, like, multiple instances of friends' parents, you know, getting mad about, you know, music listening situations because they thought it was satanic. Like, I was just always having to defend 80s and 90s indie rock from...
1: That's uh, that's like the uh, You're Wrong About co-host, who's Sarah Marshall, who's writing the book about the Satanic Panic.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I always, I don't know, I always think, like, were there actual Satanic, like, I'm trying to, Slayer is the only one I can think of, and I'm not even sure they're.
0: Yeah, any metal band, like, y- you just, it's a coin flip that they're that they're just putting you on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's an affect more than a like stance, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know.
0: I my favorite. Um, the Cure is playing in St. Paul tonight. Um, there was a point. Whenever Disintegration came out, I gave a copy of it to a girl that I was kind of dating. I uh, to a girl that I wanted to be dating. Um,
1: and, That's a bold play. I'm going to give you a Cure CD.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we were, you know, it, it was like, it was the stupid high school thing. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but I gave her that CD. Her mom called me <laughs> and was like white hot because she thought that the Cure's Disintegration was a satanic album. Because there's a song called Prayers for Rain, but she was misreading it as Prayers for Pain.
1: I yeah I, I mean, of the things to object about in the Cure, like satanic influence uh, seems like a weird one to pick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like every song is suicidal and like uh, that's where I would probably push my chips in.
0: Uh, that is even a more reasonable place if you're misreading "Prayers for Rain" as "Prayers for Pain," like. That's a more reasonable direction to take it than Satan. Where the fuck does Satan even come into this?
1: Yeah, great question. So I feel like this is, this is probably a product of the era when there was like a, like a 60 minutes episode on like Satan worshipers. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: and that like in, you know, so it's like 60 minutes probably follows this group of five high school kids who are yeah, like right. worshiping the devil. And that single story, like, resonated Just, with, you know, millions, <laughs> millions of concerned parents.
0: Leeches through the country like a <laughs> fucking toxic chemical. <laughs> Makes millions of parents stupid. I don't know. It was, yeah. So, yes, Monkey Gone to Heaven is a satanic song, <laughs> according to Mary Weeks. Um... Uh, another thing I love about this song, I, I love when the solo starts up and Francis is just like, "Rock me,
1: Joe." <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. Like they, they <laughs> such a strange, like everything about him is weird.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Like way he talks, the,
0: the fucking absolute, just needle-pegged conviction when he's yelling, the devil is sex! <sighs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Greaves?
1: Mr. Greaves, the lesser of the Mr. songs for the Mr. Crowley by <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne.
0: <laughs> That's or Mr.
1: Thing. Jones by The Counting Crows. Uh, Mr. Mister of the band? No.
0: Uh, this one, Mr. Reeves, you know, it's not great, but it's nice and weird. It's got that kind of
1: jazzy. I feel rhythm. like not great is a pretty just kind of a generous, yeah, it's it's fine it's it's fine, but I mean, you can be weird. So, like, let's take the next song. Like, I think the next song is weird, but it's awesome.
0: it's awesome. Yes, between the two, there's no question. Like Crackety Jones, like I don't, I have no idea what the fuck is going on there, but I
1: love, yeah, I just love it. It's so just <laughs> insane and weird. It's weird. It's funny. It's just you know yelling Rose about Jose Jones. Jones. It's like a it it another callback, I guess, to Surfer Rosa. It's like that, uh, uh, that Tony's theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it's just a lot of it was funny, so they put it on the album.
0: Yeah, this <laughs> is a song about a superhero named Tony. It's
1: called, it's called Tony's <laughs> Theme, and there are no
0: more words. <laughs> I cannot believe that nobody at Marvel or DC like had the fucking sense to make a superhero named Tony. And agree, just to capitalize it. Uh, very disappointed in them. Uh, crackety Jones, so my thing, listening to it now, like, listening back through it, I thought, you know, like, it fucking rules, like, it, but, like, it made me think about, like, well, why do these songs rule, and it's just, it's like the instrumentation, like, everyone plays their instruments in cool and interesting ways, the songs are arranged really interesting ways, the vocal delivery from, you know, Black Francis and Kim Deal, is always great. You know, like these songs work mostly because of musical elements. Like it's these this isn't a situation where like these aren't songs that you're listening to to get a story out of or to get any anything fucking coherent out of. It's just like they just work as like bursts yeah. of sound.
1: It's I think you're onto it with you just like the sonic feel of it. Yeah. It, I for a while this was like I, I kind of wanted this to be my walk-up song when I went into work. <laughs> uh, just before I heard Digital Witness by St. Vincent. That's the one I want now.
0: Perfect walk-up song. Uh,
1: but, uh, I, you know, I thought that th- that really sets the tone for, like, what it's going to be like to deal with me at work. Crack the like, Jones! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Crack the Jones! The weird thing, too, is, like... So we're talking about Teenager of the Year. Like, that kind of is a song or an, a record where, like you can get narratives out of the songs, you know, like I want to
1: live on an abstract plane.
0: I mean, they're weird narratives, <laughs> but like those songs tell much more of a story than these do, or at least uh, maybe it's just the production. Maybe these tell as much of a story, but the vocals are so like weirdly buried and delivered that you miss it. And that one they're clearer. But you know, to me, there's like this distinct difference between yeah. like, like, This is all kind of scattershot, and that is, like, it is a more, like, narrative record.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, you're getting 100% uh, Frank Black creative control versus 70%. Yeah,
0: and that's probably the...
1: That's where you get the pure denizen of the Citizen's Band. God, that fucking rules. Which which is just, like, a great wordplay. Yes, Right? Like... Like to th- to talk about like the conductor. We're not gonna call him a conductor. We're gonna call him the denizen. Yes. The pure denizen of the citizens band. It's
0: a great fucking record. Um. Okay. So, La La Love You.
1: Shake your butt. Fuck! I love that.
0: I love. Uh, I love the the, the shake your butt, and then someone be like, not too hard. <laughs> like, I, fucking. These guys are so good at call and response.
1: It's they are very good at it. I mean, I do feel like I don't know. I, I'm just I'm curious to hear your rationale for why this is is not as much of a pop song as "Here Comes Your Man."
0: I, I I don't. What am I trying to say? I wouldn't necessarily say that it's not as much of a pop song. It's just it's a pop song that I prefer. Okay, you know, like I just I love the drum intro. Maybe I love, you're just a
1: big whistle guy.
0: Oh, the whistling is good. I uh, I love the way... So, you know, it's got that snappy drum beat kicking in. And then the bass starts and... Uh, my The root of my beef with Here Comes Your Man is that it's, like, so major key and wholesome and welcoming in a way that, like, the Pixies almost never are. And so this one... It's got you know the drum the drum beat starts then the bass comes in and then over the bass Joey Santiago is playing guitar and like his guitar part sounds kind of menacing actually it's like Burn, dun, dun, dun. and like I, this is I I wouldn't have been able to articulate this and they'll just know but I think like through his guitar playing and maybe through the feeling that Frank, Frank that Black Francis is nuts the Pixies always have this kind of air of menace to them you know like there is like some menace to their song it feels like this is something weird and dangerous and like this song retains some weird danger and yes now that I talk it through that's my beef with here comes your man is it, that like it is too
1: accessible
0: yeah there is no weird danger there that's, okay I can see that that's <laughs> if this was therapy I'd be like yeah you know, I, I, we we made a breakthrough here.
1: <laughs> sometimes it's important to articulate your point if, if for nothing else to get it out of your head
0: yeah you know, I mean like well because like I mean really like the more I think about it yes Danger is kind of a part of the Pixies and like it's not an accident that this record starts out with the Unxian and DeLoo references you know like he is intentionally calling out to things that are disturbing, because, like, slightly disturbing is the Pixies brand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see I, it. I I just, I guess I think of it more as a, I, I think of it as more of a, like, another hooky pop ballad.
0: It's, it, I'm not arguing that it's, like, one of the great works of music of the...
1: I mean, it's century. okay to like things that sound good. I just, yeah,
0: I, I just, I think it's fun. Yeah, right. it's, it's not. It, if I made a list of my top ten Pixies songs, this one isn't on it, but it's it's higher than. Here comes your beat. Okay,
1: that's fair.
0: Um, yeah, and I, my last line on my notes for it is: "There's not much here, but what is here is fun."
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fun cool. is the important thing. Like, I feel like Crackety Jones is fun. Yeah, it's sort of. This is sort of the. The fun section of the album. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, how many people do you think actually got a number thirteen tattooed on their tit? There, there's. This? I the, mean, it's it's got to be like. A significant number, like
0: enough people to fill a small dorm at least. Hu-
1: yeah, hu- in the hundreds, probably right. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> when a band puts out like that clear <laughs> a, like you could do this <laughs> and it's a cult band that you know people love intensely
1: like people are going to pick that up maybe hundreds is too much
0: eh, nationwide
1: over the decades i feel like it's a i feel like it's a fair number of
0: people yeah i i'm with you yeah you know this isn't this isn't a song that i love but but i like it and I don't know what the fuck he's saying. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I know what he's saying at the phrase level. I don't know what the fuck it adds up to. It's just his delivery makes it
1: work. I don't think you're. I'm not sure you're supposed to get like a, a like a super clean narrative out of a, out of a Pixie song. I think you're. I think it's the idea is for you to be a little confused.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. This one, the the casual reference to chinos. Affected my pants choices for a decade.
1: <laughs> is there a difference between chinos and khakis, or is that the same thing?
0: I am probably wrong about this. I always thought that most khakis are chinos, but you can have chinos that are not khakis
1: because they're not khaki colored. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: there's, I'm. I mean, like, like there, there could not be less authority behind that statement, but. That was that's what's in my head at least.
1: Yeah, it's, I'd, I'd buy it. I, I don't know if pleats matter
0: there. I used to think they did. No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I've been out of the khaki game for for quite some time. Far. I,
0: I, I mean, you know, since the year twenty twenty, I just it's shorts all summer and jeans all winter.
1: Yeah. I, when you work, you know, fifteen fifteen hundred miles from your office. It- <laughs> They don't really care what you wear.
0: Yes, that is one of the one of the positives of the modern world. Uh, number thirteen positives for this song. I do. I think there's a lot of cool guitar in here. Yeah. I, I say that all the time. I like when Black Francis is repeating, "I'm in a state."
1: Yeah, that is kind of cool. Like, I'm in a state. Like that's it's a, just a. I, I think we can all like. We've all sort of been there. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not often that the Pixies are emotionally relatable. So when they are, you're like, yeah, I'm going to hold on to this. Yeah. I know minor song, but it's yeah, it's, it's not bad. <sighs> there goes my gun.
1: Yeah. So this, I am going to channel my inner Keith. I had been mishearing the first line of this. I thought it was like a pirate, like yo-ho. Isn't that what it is? I think it's actually you who. I, I
0: I can't I can't say categorically that you're wrong, but I'm I listening today I still heard yo ho.
1: I hope that's what it is. The whole I, thing
0: has like this sea yes, shanty right. rhythm. It to does, it, yes.
1: That's why it made sense to me. But yeah. I looked at like three different lyric sources, they all had you hoo. I mean But maybe that's you know chat GPT. <laughs> yeah.
0: Can we trust ChatGPT to decode? We
1: cannot. Uh, I mean if you're gonna try to decode a Pixies lyric, it's probably as good as anything else. Yeah,
0: maybe. I to me like I whether it's yo-ho or what, so I know this is wrong. I know this isn't actually what he's saying, but it always sounded what we always heard in high school was Yo-Ho. And then him changing it to you ho. Like he's accusing someone of being a ho in the late 80s, early 90s <laughs> manner, which there's no fucking way mm-hmm. that's what's going on. But that was that was almost the accept- zero chance. That was the accepted wisdom in Blair High School. There was a big argument. One guy thought the uh, I don't know where the fuck he got this, but a friend of mine was convinced that Instead of saying, there goes my gun, they were saying, there goes my girl. Which makes no sense, because the name of the song is written on the album.
1: Right, like, yeah. I don't know. So, like, pre-internet, you know, it's just interesting how, like, it was it was almost closer to, like, folklore. Totally. Uh, you know, because I, for years, this guy that I worked with, he well, he had told me that, matador records was the was the record label that they gave madonna which is actually maverick Records. okay so he told it to me incorrectly but i repeated that to 50 people i 75 people
0: so either i was one of those people or i was downstream from that because until just now, I thought that Madonna had something to do with that. <laughs> and
1: it was like, I mean, I, I told that story to a number of people. So I like, <laughs> like this just one agent of disinformation. Yeah, this one like mistranslation just just spawned this, you know, whole.
0: I love it. <laughs> and uh, like I love that if you step back, like Madonna and Matador Records, right. it makes no sense. It makes
1: zero sense, but right? Like
0: that that association has just been like sitting on a, a shelf in my head, like caked in dust
1: for. And it's like it's, I don't know. It just it it's just weird. Like so, I mean, that's just how stuff spread. So, yeah. It was like it was. I don't know. It was, like I said, it was almost more like folklore than Now, now you can actually. You know, get down to a. I guess you have to. You have to have a reliable source. Yeah,
0: I think. I don't think it was like folklore. I think it literally was folklore. It's just a very specific type of it. Getting back to this song, um, another line that I love, um, and this I am positive it's what they're saying, (laughs) is uh, I think it's the third verse. They're like, friend or foe.
1: That is awesome. Foe. I love that. Like, that, that's just such a good, like, friend or foe? Foe.
0: Fo. Fucking rules. Maybe
1: that's the, like, that's the element you were talking about of the danger of the Pixies. Yeah. Right? Like, it's it's an attitude more than anything.
0: I think that's right. Yeah.
1: That's like you're the perennial outsider.
0: Yeah. You're here to be the foe, goddammit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, great song. Tim's backups, fucking make it. Yeah, and I mean, really, the, the whole album me.
1: hurt. Her harmonies, I don't know that I fully appreciated that. Like, huh. what a big part of their sound is. It's probably, now that she's not in the band anymore, why they always have, like, a female bass player to yeah. do those harmonies.
0: And to be honest, like, I just, I don't have any interest in them. Uh, like, like I don't have any beef with them if they, you know, they found a replacement and they want to keep touring, and that's that's fine, but, like, I just... No, no, Kim, no Pixies. W- w- where I'm at, like. I think that's yeah.
1: I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I actually saw the the breeders last year,
0: maybe. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: And they were they were really good. Yeah. Like, I I don't know that that song. Um, I think it's on. The song called Saints.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, like it's just. That is just a banger live. I bet it's like it's amazing. It's
0: I've never seen the Breeders, and that would be really cool to see.
1: Yeah, it's they're good. They're really good.
0: Back when uh, back when Red Hay,
1: you
0: know, there was a stretch where my old band Red Hay was playing the turf with some regularity, and Kelly Deal was living in Saint Paul and had, like, a side project called the Kelly Deal 3000. Really? We were always hoping that we would get to, like, open for them. It never happened.
1: Yeah. And they're twins, so.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. Um, Okay, so, hey. We're We're chained. (laughs) So, with that... It took me literal decades to realize that he was yelling chained and not shame.
1: Well, he kind of changes it. So um, he's like, you I know, mean, he kind of breaks it up. And then he's like, chained. Uh, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'd, I would not put it as one of my favorite songs on the album. But. Yeah,
0: especially when I was young and I just wanted to rock out yeah. and get
1: to this and be like, no. Um...
0: I like I like his delivery when he's like "must be the devil between us,"
1: but he does go a little Bob Dylan there,
0: huh? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, not a great one. I I do think this one did make me think about one of the recurring themes in his songs, at least for the Pixies. And I don't think you hear as much of this in his solo career. There's a lot of sex guilt in his his Pixies songs.
1: Yeah, it's probably why you thought it was shame.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like it's, it's, you know, thematically it makes sense. That's not a. I don't know. Not a fave. They can't all be faves. It's interesting to think about. If you are the Pixies and especially Black Francis, like, what's the impetus to be like? We're an upbeat rockin band. let's do let's do these slow draggy yeah
1: I mean I feel like when they do it and it works like I think of like uh, that song Bird Dreams on Olympu's Mons. Yeah, that's great. yeah that's, like I mean that is a very slow song, but yeah. it rules. I
0: suppose I was just rhapsodizing about how much I like the slow version of wave of mutilation. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, it, it's more the material than... Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. You know,
1: I mean, but they do, it is interesting that, because they were very young when they wrote this, that, you know, they they were able to resist the, the temptation just to have every song be a rock song.
0: Yeah, I guess, like, I don't love this song, but I respect the artistic integrity.
1: Yeah. But, oh, Silver. I I feel like this could be a... Maybe not even Great Destroyer. Maybe like... uh, What album is In Metal? Is that the name of the album? Or is that the song?
0: That's the song. I think that's off of Things We Lost in the Fire. Yes,
1: Things We Lost in the Fire. Yeah. For like Laser Beam.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can... That's not a thing I would have put together, but once you said it, I can hear it. And I, I even, you know... Great Destroyer does have all the business with the Silver Rider, so there's like a more direct lyrical connection. To me, this song, I hated this when I was young, and like this one I, I like now. It just, I love like the Western sound of it, and like it somehow this sounds like New Mexico to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's got like a, it's got like kind of that Bakersfield sound guitar.
0: Yeah weird fucking high lonesome harmony thing that they're doing singing just deeply strange but kind of awesome
1: yeah i I mean i honestly i think i probably if i'm being honest i probably when i was a kid skipped from there goes my gun past hey silver and then to gouge away. But.
0: Yeah, same. I when I was young, this is the point where I would always be like, "Oh man, they've just they fucking lost control of this record." <laughs> this is, and like, yeah, I appreciate it now, but you know that thought was there for a long time. I like the dobro being played in the background and the booming drums, which is very lowish. Yeah, um, I like the buzzy electric guitar towards the end, but
1: I've been saying for years, low needs more dobro.
0: Me too. That would be... I, You know, I mean, I think yeah, low is done, but I would not... I wouldn't put a Dobro phase past whatever Sparhawk does. I'd
1: rather that than the... What was the thing that we saw? DeRecho. Oh,
0: Jesus. Yeah, that was a fucking bait and switch. Wow. Well,
1: that, was, that, was, that was difficult.
0: That, that was useful... You know, I had this policy of, I will see anything this guy's involved in. And like, not anymore.
1: <laughs> yes. Nope. It's not like him and a bunch of kids from the Duluth high school. Trying brand. to
0: play funk?
1: Yeah. That's, it's good to
0: push yourself, but you shouldn't always push yourself <laughs> in public. Sometimes you should keep it alone. Keep it at home. Um, so gouge away. If the, if the last couple songs felt like the album was like losing its shit, it, to me, it has always felt like it gets it back together for gouge away and like delivers delivers you like yeah. It's here's like the pixies. You're,
1: it's like you're on your way, rocker.
0: Yeah, and you know it's a great outro. It's it's not as good as debaser, but it kind of serves the same function of like you know they brought you in with prime pixies and they take you out with prime yeah. pixies. I mean,
1: I think it's a good it's a good capstone on the. On the album, you know, like, it's kind of interesting to have the last song on the album, have the lyric, stay all day if you want to.
0: Yeah, that's, I'd never put that, but yeah. I, I've always loved his delivery when he's just like, some marijuana, if you got some.
1: Yeah, the only, the only my only beef with that is that, like, there's always a bunch of yahoos at the concerts that are like, yeah, marijuana. And it's like, really guys? This is the band for that. It's like, go to a fucking Black Crows concert. I don't... (laughs) Yeah. It's like I hearken back to the Replacements reunion show we saw at uh, the Midway Stadium. Yeah. And the guy next to me, who I didn't know and still don't know, taps me on the shoulder and says, I'm going to smoke this joint during Skyway. I'm like, Great, <laughs> thanks. For, you know, thanks for keeping me in the loop. And then he's, he, I see him lighting it up, and I'm like, do I tell him that this isn't Skyway? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> dude, just wanted to smoke his joint. I guess, yeah. You know? I mean,
1: fine. But <laughs> I don't need to be part of it. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I. I feel like I wish I had more to say about Gaujaia, but it's just like, it's. To me it is perfectly serviceable. Yeah. And good Pixies, but not remarkable.
1: I mean, I feel like it's a it's a pretty good Pixies album. Yeah. I think that's a good descriptor.
0: So, um, album-wide, if you had to pick a favorite song or two.
1: So, uh, I think favorite song is probably Debaser. Um but I do also like wave of mutilation. So it'd be between those two.
0: Those are the two I would choose as well. Um, we are in we're perfectly synced
1: on Doolittle. Yeah. Uh, but it was a fun one to listen to again. It was.
0: It was great. I yeah, I didn't realize how much I was performing Pixies. Apostasy until like I went, you know, came back and actually fucking listened to the Pixies and remembered like, no wait, no, they actually fucking rule.
1: Like, yeah, it was a it was a fun experience. You know,
0: pantheon band for me, like super fucking important back in the day, and
1: you know, pretty fucking good to go back to. A much better conversation than we would have had about Lee Scratch Perry's Super. Uh, band.
0: Yeah, I gotta agree with that. That would have I I went back and re-listened to the uh, Exodus conversation and thought that was you know i thought that was a really good episode but i also thought like yeah like this is the same shit that i would say i
1: guess i just don't i and this is disappointing, but like i just don't know enough about reggae to to like have a
0: a conversation about it we're yeah like every conversation is going to be noticing the same differences we would need to like go off and spend a year listening to reggae to appreciate the fine distinctions Oh but yeah, you know this one. Like I still think Surfer Rosa and Trompe Monde are my personal preferred Pixies albums. But
1: Surfer Rosa for sure. Um, you know I could I could maybe quibble with Trompe.
0: Yeah, I I know I'm in I know I'm in the minority on that one. But what are you gonna do? I still think their best song is "Levitate Me" on "Come On
1: Pilgrim." Yeah, that's a good song. It's a
0: fucking banger. Um. And I think that's all we got on Debaser. Thank you for listening.
1: Yeah. You, From, want, you want to tee up the next one?
0: Yeah. So this is an interesting thing where I I had I had it worked out. I knew what it was going to be. Then you called the audible to this. Did oh,
1: I step on your touchdown?
0: No, you, you changed my train of thought. So I was going to go with something that's, that was much more recent. Like, like I was going to go with something – Actually, you know, recorded this century. Like SZA? Yeah, you know, it was just going to be all SZA all the time. No, um, I was going to go on something recorded within the past few years. But um, going back to this, the combination of you picking this and then me starting Bob Mold's book. You know, so like I already like my brain was in the late 80s. And I start reading Bob Mold's book. I just thought like, let's. Fucking stay in the late '80s and let's exercise a ghost that's been like haunting this fucking show, like literally since we recorded the first test episode. Um, warehouse. Oh let's, yeah. Let's talk about who's screwed. Let's it's, get it it's out of interesting our interesting because
1: like mold totally shits on that record. I
0: know. <laughs> which what the fuck? So yeah, you know like. We both go way back with that record. Uh, we both have heard Bob Mole shit on that record. Uh, I, I think we'll have a lot to say. Yeah, yeah it'll,
1: be it'll be a good one.
0: That uh, And I, you know, so I think there's a world where this episode could have come out in April and then the fucking Grim Reaper started just like lobbing shells. Um, I, I would like to challenge us <laughs> to record the warehouse episode. You know, the month of July. sometime. Yeah, I think
1: that's fair. I, I think it's uh, it's it's good for us to be on a, a loose schedule.
0: Yeah, yeah. As long as, uh, assuming no one dies, let's yeah, let's, let's choose which s- one. <laughs> best we can. Yeah. Uh, so if you've sat through this, thank you as always for listening. I am Keith. You can find me on Twitter, and on Blue Sky, if needed. And Thank on Facebook,
1: temporarily.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I am on Facebook. I lodged back on to... You know what? I lodged, logged back on to Facebook to publicize the Creekside Ruffians show, um, Driftwood Char Bar, July 6th, 9 o'clock, 4415 Nicollet Avenue, if you're in the Twin Cities. We will rock you to your fucking core, and I will log on to Facebook... For the opportunity to log to to rock you, um, Chad. Where can people find you?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at cook six um, two five two. I will also be at the Driftwood Char Bar. Um, I will be the one yelling yakety sacks after every song. Do
0: not, do not tempt the bull.
1: Uh, last time I yelled yakety sacks at the Driftwood, I did not hear yakety sacks. So
0: uh, you never know. You never know. Um, that's Augustus the Og. You can find him. You honestly, you can find him at Keith Billy on Twitter too. Um, there's a lot of Og content there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If there's anything you like or don't like, um, you think we need to get serious about the Old Testament. Uh, whatever. If you dug the show, please tell people about it. Go wherever you found it and leave a review. I always say this with a perfunctory tone, but it actually is important because the algorithms listen to that um, when they're recommending shows to people. Uh, Thanks, and talk to you again soon as we dig into Husker News Warehouse. Adios.